Broadcasting from Manhattan Beach and the World Wide Web, you're listening to CHSRHealthyLife.net. As a service to our listeners, this program is for general information and entertainment purposes only. CHSRHealthyLife.net does not recommend, endorse, or object to the views, products, or topics expressed or discussed by show hosts or their guests. We suggest you always consult with your own personal, medical, financial, or legal advisor. Get ready for Mind Shock with Dr. Ron Dalrymple, the premier podcast in the world bringing you hidden truths about your mind's incredible powers. Get ready to free your mind. Dr. Ryan Dalrymple on Mind Shock, the show that will take you to the outer limits of your mind and to the inner limits, the true final frontier. Our theme for this show is evolution of the supermind. It's a topic which is getting more and more current, more and more popular around the world. Folks are looking at this. Now, many years ago, when a mere 17 years old, I started working at NASA in Greenbelt at Goddard Space Flight Center, where we used to talk about putting people in space, and we called that the final frontier. NASA is a great place of high idealism and very down-to-earth pragmatism. They're very powerful. They have idealistic people who are also very pragmatic in terms of making things happen. I enjoy being at NASA very much. I've studied math and physics at Maryland University, just seven miles away. But then I started taking psychology classes, and I was shocked to see that you connect up all the major theories of psychology with various principles of math, like topological math and quantum physics. So at 19 years old at NASA, I discovered that you think of the mind as an energy field that transcends the physical brain that explains many of the phenomena that other approaches to psychology could not. In fact, in the true final frontier is inner space, exploration of the true powers of mind, which we still know very little about. So our mission is to take you to the true outer limits of inner space. Think about that, the outer limits of inter space. Kind of a new Star Trek, right? So our motto for this show is Supermind, Superbody, Super spirit. In today's chaotic world, there's a revolution sweeping the globe about who we are and what we are doing here. A mind revolution is changing everything. Whole new theories of mind that turn old science on its head. Old science is three-dimensional and limited to the physical senses. Make it four with time. In any case, very limited. Kind of like a box, which we'll talk about in a moment. We're developing new models of science that consider n dimensions as n approaches infinity. Today we have a great guest, Wendy Robbins, who wrote a fascinating book about the box. Wendy, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you, Ron? Great to have you on the show. I enjoy reading your book very much. I think you did a great job describing the faulty emotions you had growing up and the trauma you went through and how it created various fixations of thought and so forth and how you got stuck and built that box to both hide within but also protect you. And tell us, please, how the whole thing started for you. You did a great job in your book talking about that. Please tell our audience about how this all began? Sure. Um, it really began early for me, um, around the age of six. Um, my, as you had mentioned, my my house life, my home life was really uh, volatile at the time, mostly due to my mother's untreated mental illness. Um, so, 
One summer they bought a new refrigerator and, you know, that big old cardboard box that those come, and they put that in the living room for us kids to play in, and I was the only one that took the bait. But I found that I wasn't so much playing in that box, right? I was escaping and hiding from what was going on that terrified me on the outside of those walls. So, you know, as I grew older in that box, had long since been thrown away, um, I started to you know, create my own mental construct of a box that I thought would keep me safe, right, wouldn't trigger all of the anxiety and the panic attacks I had started to have at that young age. And a lot of intrusive thoughts and, uh, you know, obsessive-compulsive tendencies. And so over time, you know, I adopted things like um, perfectionism uh, and, you know, hypervigilance and trying to control my surroundings, control the emotions of the people that uh, were with me, um, all really to calm everything down, you know, in my own mind. And those things worked out well for me at the beginning. You know, I was a straight-A student, and I was um, a three-sport all-star athlete and got a scholarship to an Ivy League college. But by sophomore year, I was calling a suicide hotline and had really reached um, my first rock bottom, I guess I would call it. Um, suffering my first bout of depression because the anxiety had become so overwhelming. Um, you know, but I pushed on. I kind of clawed my way out of that and then went on to law school and hit another rock bottom once I graduated and kept thinking if I just get married, if I just get that new job, if I just get out of debt, if, if I just create this perfect external, you know, successful life, everything inside will calm down and be fine. And, of course, um, I learned that that wasn't the case, and that's really when um, I had this realization, this real heightened level of awareness, right, going from a, a fear mindset to sort of this growth mindset where I finally saw those walls as a prison, uh, not really a place that was keeping me safe, but a place that was keeping me paralyzed and, um, you know, uh, just limiting me from becoming the person that I was meant to be to really reaching my full potential. Right, exactly. So, boy, in childhood, you experienced some severe trauma from mom, and what you describe in terms of symptomatology also fits the paradigm of post-traumatic stress, or actually it's active stress disorder because you're still going through it. Mm -hmm. But your symptomatology was often referred to as PTSD, the hypervigilance, the alertness, what you can wear around you, trying to create constructs to feel safe, was watching your back, fearful of the past and future. So really, it was a terrible thing you went through in childhood, and you made a point in your book also that Anxiety disorders affect 25% of kids between the ages of 13 and 18. They also co-occur with depression, OCD, eating disorders. So this is very widespread and very common in the world. How do you feel about that? Like it's very, very widespread. It really is, and it's, it's so disturbing um, to know that and know that we as a culture still have this really strong stigma against mental illness and what so many of us are struggling with but really can't talk about and can't find the treatment that we need. So it's really a big part of my mission right now is to help not only parents because, you know, we are finding that children, even at a very young age, are struggling with these issues, but anyone who has a loved one, you know, who's going through this. It seems like every single person I talk to having, you know, published the book and been, you know, doing interviews and things like that, it's like every single person, if they're not suffering themselves, at least has somebody that they love in their life that is suffering. And 
um, you know, it's something that is very treatable um, and can create strong connections that everyone's looking for on a very deep level if we just bring them into the light versus trying to hide them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very good point. Also, it's very culturally in the U.S., you know, there's really kind of a, a slave mentality. Two weeks off per year for vacation, maybe two weeks for sick leave. It didn't used to allow people to take leave for, you know, have children and so forth. Now some companies do allow the mother and father to take off. It's pretty amazing. But still there's kind of a slave mentality of work, work comes first. You go to Europe. I was in many countries in Europe traveling the world at times and also in Asia. In Europe, they start work, for example, in, uh, in England. I have some friends who are chiropractors that start work at seven, or 9 o'clock in the morning, rather. They work until about 12, take two hours for lunch. Can you imagine a two-hour lunch? Come back at 2, work until about 4.30 or 4.45, then take a break for high tea, which meant high caffeinated tea or coffee with lots of sweets. Use a big sugar and caffeine rush and work till 7, go home, have dinner at 9 with lots of wine and cheese and all kinds of great food, and then crash by 11, 11, 3, 12, get up at 7, do it all over again. So they put life first as opposed to work first. Now, if you go to Asia, for example, like it's also in Japan, Korea, teaching college over there for the U.S. military, in Japan, I was asked to see some folks for various mental health issues, and the problem there is that they see that in terms of, like you just mentioned, profound humiliation. These folks were so humiliated that commit to any kind of problem at all that it was almost impossible to work with them. There's a, with a group over there trying to change all that, trying to bring therapy, the modality of it, various modalities, to Japan, and a lot of resistance from the culture. So in this culture, still, you're right, there's still that stigma about mental health, and you're still seeing that in your work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's just the difference between, um, you know, even I saw it in myself. I recently had a knee injury, and just the difference between not only how we look and feel about ourselves, whether we bring shame to something versus compassion, right? Mm-hmm. Like so many of us feel ashamed to admit that we have some mental disorder or we're struggling somehow in a mm-hmm. mental way versus a physical way. When I, mm-hmm. you know, came out of surgery, I looked at myself with compassion, like, okay, we're going to get through this, you know, all of this positive self-talk versus all of this critical self-talk that I would have had or that I had for decades around my mental health struggles. And then I asked for and received help very easily when I had crutches and things like that. And it was, again, the complete opposite of what I struggled with when I had mental health issues, Um, just not even being able to ask for treatment or ask for a loved one, ask for help from a loved one. It was, again, like you were saying, it was just, it's such a source of shame. So even within myself, I could still see it, um, Mm -hmm. having been through it and having now, you know, trying to teach others. But I still, I see it constantly in, in, I just wrote an article about, you know, Naomi Osaka dropping out of her last two tournaments. She's now playing in the Olympics again, but um, just how mm-hmm. things like that, how people react in the public. Um, and it's really just, I think it's a lack of empathy first. I think that it's really important that we give people who are struggling with mental illness a microphone and a platform to tell their stories in a very real way to show the difference between something like just pressure at a very high level of professional sports versus clinical depression or clinical anxiety issues like they're very different and people who haven't been in that position have been lucky enough to not struggle maybe don't 
have the empathy or understand the difference because we haven't given the opportunity for them to hear these stories, right, and understand the medical differences and things like that. So um, I think that the more we talk about it, the more we can um, and the more we educate people and the more we empower them also with tools to reach out and help, I think that that will, um, you know, turn the tide hopefully. Yeah, yeah. There's such a, there's such, such a pressure in our society for perfectionism. It would be perfect, like you mentioned. You know, we're often taught in childhood, do your best, always do this, always do that. I've known I patients over the years, for example. One person brought home a bee one year, and a subject area which she hated, and her parents harassed her for years about that one bee. How could she fail that class? Because the bee was a failure in that family. She so had that straight edge. So. She was harassed forever about that one bee. She brought him straight, well, what happens if somebody's getting a bee? Come on. So they would never give her that positive reinforcement, that, that lifting up for her achievement. And so she's on this treadmill constantly trying to win their approval when, in fact, it was never given. There's a time when it was believed that was a way to, to raise kids. You don't want to spoil them. So you don't give them any positive reinforcement. You, know, you treat them with really toughness, with punishment. You give them high goals. You push towards the high goals, and that's how they achieve. Well, that's the old way. And it ignores the fact that such a cruel approach really damages people profoundly emotionally. Some parents mean to do well in that approach, but what's happened, of course, is that it doesn't work. We know from World War II generation, that's why these guys came back from World War II. That's how they were trained in boot camp. They went through war. They went through horrible stress. So the baby boomer generation was greatly influenced by these parents who were going through that type of mentality. You see what I'm saying? It's changed a lot since then. Society's kind of rocked back and forth between tight control versus approaches to liberation, which at times go off the rails. How do you see all that? Yeah, I feel like you were in my house when I was young. That's what I feel yeah. like. <laughs> I talked to my dad about it recently, too, and, you know, he feels yeah. badly about it. And he said when he read my book, he said, I feel like every parent should read this book, whether or not they have anxiety or not. It's not really so much about anxiety as about parenting in a way to see how those like you're talking about those old parenting um, styles really have a damaging effect or can have a damaging effect. And he had that exact mentality where he said, I never wanted you to think you had arrived, right, because then you would stop trying to achieve. And that was never what I was looking for, right? I was, I knew I could achieve things. I knew I had my own sense of motivation, and but I really just wanted, right, that support when I got home, somebody to, mm-hmm. like, pat me on the back. And mm-hmm. when you don't have that, yeah, it kind of, you have this warped sense of how to really, you're always looking for this external validation, right, to extinguish what I then had as this internal anxiety of just always feeling like I could be abandoned if I wasn't, you know, constantly mm-hmm. trying to achieve something or prove my worth. Mm-hmm. And right. really, we want our kids to just reflect and reveal their true nature, right? Like that, I heard that quote recently, and it's just so beautiful. And I think about that when I was struggling with anxiety for so long, right? You, there's something, there's a barrier that you build there, whether it's mental illness or something else, some other mental construct that you're putting in your life that doesn't allow you to step into that true nature of who you are because you're always trying to be what you think others want you to be in order to gain their love and approval. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's what Rilla said. Some of us are taught to try to win the approval of other people, so you're always working on that treadmill trying to impress somebody else who will give you that sense of validation, which we have to learn to really give to ourselves 
willing to believe in ourselves and understand there's really a higher power as well working through us. We don't need the approval of other people. In fact, people often project their delusions, their false beliefs onto us. So mm-hmm. we're seeing their approval. In fact, it's never really a, a genuine approval because it's their projections what's happening inside of them put upon us. So we're really dealing with their delusions and their demons. Yeah, go ahead. No, I just, it's, it's just, you said it so well, right? You're not even getting their, their genuine approval, right? It is always a projection of whatever they're lacking in their own life. So it's just this right. cycle that, it's an unwinnable game, right? Because the, mm-hmm. the goal keeps changing. The, the goalpost is just sliding to the left or moving further away or depending upon right. who you're dealing with. So until you really start to recognize that and bring it to your, you know, your awareness to a heightened, more maybe spiritual level that you understand that the only validation you can ever get comes from within, right? It's that journey back home to yourself that is the real, the real work. Right, exactly. It's uh, what Joseph Campbell talked about. You referenced him in the book, and he talked about the man of a thousand faces, right? But the idea that, that was used in Hollywood for a long time, I said, to study screenwriting in Hollywood somehow. It was 30, 35 years ago when I go out there and meet these famous screenwriters. They wouldn't tell you what their secrets were and how they created stories, how they constructed a story. They made it so great. They wouldn't tell you. They kept the top secret, right? But it was story structure based upon Canva's work and there's great steps you built into it. But the key is that there's a transformational journey that we go through. And that's the true power of the story is that transformational journey. And you face these external series of opponents who are really projections of your own nature. Like on a mythological journey, every person you encounter whose opposition is a projection of yourself at some level. But eventually the biggest opponent is yourself. If you discuss your book, it's your own thoughts, your own creations. You create your own anxieties by your beliefs and your fixated uh, emotions held in place, holding those thoughts in place. So you're creating your own demons. That's what we all do in some, to some degree. So our greatest opponent is ourselves. We must face that opponent and overcome that opponent. And that is the greatest victory which leads to the final transformation. To defeat the external demon, as it were, or opponent, the adversary, the real battle is within. To really conquer the points back from within. How do you see that? I just, yeah, I just, I was just shaking my head, well, nodding my head the entire time. That's exactly right. Um, and I identified with that so much because um, I do come from uh, Greek heritage and loved um, mythology as a kid. And talked about that in the beginning of my book that, you know, you're not met with a hero's journey every day of your life, right? You're not just wielding your sword and hopping on your horse and there's somebody to save, but there's always yourself to save, right? There's Mm -hmm. always that opportunity as these new demons or struggles or obstacles arise in your life that, okay, this is an opportunity for me to grow and learn this lesson because if you don't in that moment right it's just going to keep coming back around a lot of people say that like that the universe is just going to keep sending you that same that same obstacle or that same um whatever it may be that is going to push you to the limit to test your resolve are you going to learn the lesson this time or am i going to have to test you again right and yeah that's what those stories are all about and i find it just um it's so amazing because and it's a, so much of that is, like you're saying, our thought work, right? Because we can either choose to question rather than critique our last decision, right? Question it and then grow into the next. 
and that's sort of how I keep thinking about my journey now, right? It's like petals of a flower that never stop opening. It's just one after another, and that's sort of like, you know, we, we see growth all around us on the earth, like, and I feel like humans, in a way, think that they're going to arrive at some point and stop growing, but if you're on that journey like you were talking about, there's just consistent, never-ending opportunities to continue to grow. Exactly. Yeah, it's really put some other guests on the show and talk about the idea that we're often brainwashing and believing you must do and then be, or you must do things in order to be at a certain point or to have. In other words, you work and slave your life away, you attain a certain profession, you're perfect, you never give up, you try to infinity, so you do, and then you have things, you get all these material things, you get a house, a car, a prestigious job, you get a retirement, whatever, then eventually you're going to you know, be happy. So it's like do, have, be, but it's out of order. What works a lot better is you work on being right now, in other words, being happy. You're going to be happy right where you are, attitude of gratitude. Every day, every moment, you're focused on, on that, on being centered, not stuck in the past, not stuck in the future. Focus on right now, the here and now, be here now in mindfulness, and you knowing you're attached to a higher order. So you be happy now, and what you do as a result of that is totally different, and then what you have as a result of that is also totally different and much more balanced, and long-term. Folks, we're here today, Dr. Ryan Darrell on Mind Shock with Wendy Robinson, a really fascinating book about the box and escaping the box. We'll come back here in a few moments, taking a break for our sponsors. Please stick with us. There's a lot more to come. Be right back. Do you ever wonder how the mind works? The Endless Question, a film by Dr. Ron Dalrymple, shows you a new theory of mind, one that bridges the road between spirituality and science while revealing to you the laws of creativity, things that can open up your mind to limitless possibilities. It is literally a theory that changes everything, and once you know it, you can apply it to your own life. View The Endless Question for free on Amazon Prime. The Endless Question on Amazon Prime. ASMC, the premier German company that supplies everything for adventure, from outdoor clothes to outdoor gear, even backpacks, lots of quality, and lots of specials. To start your adventure, go to HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on ASMC. Paradise Found 2015 is a film that sparks of intrigue about the discovery of quantum field psychology. Throwing a sexy spy story of conflict between father and son against the backdrop of NASA and interspersed with World War II flashback combat scenes, and you'll be surprised to discover the foundation of a whole new theory of mind. Rent or buy Paradise Lost 2015 at Amazon.com and prepare for the explosive conclusion. That's Paradise Lost 2015 at Amazon.com. Reach your health and fitness goals. Whether you want to lose weight, learn to dance, build muscle, or just live healthy, Beachbody gives you unlimited access to the nation's most popular fitness and weight loss solutions. Visit our advertiser page and click on Beachbody now. A complete mind development course, The Inner Manager by Dr. Ron Dalrymple, helps you develop your concentration, memory, imagination, and more, all to help you program your mind towards success. But it's not a boring read. You are taken on a journey with a young man who is trying to start his own business and immerses himself into a journey of self-discovery. A powerful book that you can read again and again. Get The Inner Manager by Dr. Ron Dalrymple at Amazon.com. The Inner Manager at Amazon.com.
Remember, positive impacts. www.healthylife.net Dr. Ryan Dalrymple on Mind Shock. We have Wendy Robbins, great author and attorney, who wrote a really fascinating book about the box, about being trapped inside of the box and escaping the box. Wendy, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Okay, okay. Welcome back. I wanted to uh, think about some of those milestones you went through. You know, when you talk about some decision points you made along the way. For example, and started out your book talking about being in the kitchen, being terrified. The fact your dad was coming home late, you knew your mom was going to hyper-react, might well be violent, and that once she totally lost control and whatnot, and you were terrified that these kind of events had profound influence upon you. But you had various junctures along the way, like, for example, you developed into a great basketball star in high school, then had a scholarship to a college, but then someone saw you throw a javelin, and so you were pressured to go to Dartmouth, a prestigious school, you made that choice, which... Instead of being in a comfortable place, a comfortable college where you're playing basketball, which you loved, you're settling in a whole new environment because you wanted to please somebody else. Please tell us about that whole experience. Mm, yeah, that was um, that was a real struggle for me. Um, I really, at the time, genuinely thought I was making the right decision. Um, you know, on paper I was, but in my heart mm-hmm. I wasn't. I think yeah. that's a big difference. And I think at that age we are so tied to, especially if we – are raised in some sort of traumatic environment or even if it's just divorce or something like that where we are um, seeking that external validation. Um, I think that, you know, the label of an Ivy League education and diploma in our country, maybe in the world, holds a lot of weight. And so I let that overshadow what, what I had always really dreamed of and what I think, you know, I look back now and I don't know which road was the road that I should have taken. You know, um, I don't like to really have any regrets, but it was an extremely difficult decision for me at the time. Um, I didn't really want to give up my true love, essentially. But I was taught by a mentor that, you know, there was no women's professional basketball league at the time. So it was sort of like, well, where is this taking you? You know, the lessons that you've learned on the court are life lessons. They're not just about basketball. So, you know, pack those up and take them on your journey and shift into something else. And what happened really was, a really stark identity crisis that I suffered, and not only because I was doing my third sport at that point, that I wasn't really that, I didn't identify with it that much. You know, I didn't really get this huge sense of confidence from it the way that I did in my other sports um, because I really thri- I felt like I thrived in those. Um, but, you know, I was really just such a fish out of water. It was not a great fit for me. And, again, it almost like I, I sort of had that break that I think we all have with ourselves. I probably had that break far earlier than making this decision, but where you just abandon yourself in what you feel like on a deep level you truly need versus the needs of the people around you and how to make them happy, again, to find that validation, to feel worthy of their love and, and all of that, you know, narration that's going on in your head. So I just at that moment, I think, abandoned myself a bit, um, but thought that it was in my best interest over the long haul, which, in fact, maybe it it was, but it created 
a new level of anxiety at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is interesting. We try to do the right thing, try to make the right choices. And these are major, major life decisions. You know, which school are you going to go to? Which law school or to go to law school or type of graduate school you want to do if you go to a graduate program? These are huge decisions. And when we're young and whatnot and highly impressionable and not sure what the best course is, it's very often it's easy to fall under the spell or the direction of somebody else who might well mean the best for us, but may or may not be the best. I mean, maybe it was. But then again, what would your life have been like if you go into a college where you felt accepted, you're into the sport, it was like, you know, well, your friends were there, you had a lot of support and whatnot, and it might take you to a higher place, or who knows, or at least one with less anxiety, right? But you make the choice mm-hmm. that somebody else reinforced, which can produce, again, being trapped inside that box trying to please somebody else, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Just more. More. Yeah. Yeah. When I looked back, when I when I had to make that choice to when I finally realized that I was in this box, right, and I had to identify what had built these walls. Like, what were these bricks really made of? What were the steps? Those decisions that you're talking about. Those decisions along the way. That really was a decision to fortify that cardboard right mm-hmm. to make it really like bricks and mortar now um that mm-hmm. i'm really stuck inside this box now that was definitely one of them um mm-hmm. for sure yeah seriously i knew two different uh, women patients way back when I was in maryland and really fascinating distinction between one person had gone through high school then she went to college and she she majored in french and she had a fairly wealthy family to give her lots of positive reinforcement and support and whatnot and so she kind of took her time through college she it took eight years to get through college because she kind of goofed off, had fun, and along the way she inherited close to 100000 bucks from a, a relative who passed away. So she got involved with somebody who was developing a restaurant, and she'd fly back and forth. This is Maryland from Maryland to New York and whatnot. She'd fly back, work in shuttle every weekend, spend lots of money. And after a while, all the money was gone because this restaurant, which never quite got off the ground, and the person she was involved with there disappeared. And she blown, oh, you know, 100000 bucks, went back to school, and the parents were paying for it. They paid for life totally when she graduated. She went to the Sorbonne in France to study and got a master's degree in French you know, art history and ended up doing bartender work. So here she had tremendous support and help and whatnot, but her, her direction kind of like walked back and forth, and she ended up not where she wanted to be. Another person, in fact, very, very high drive and whatnot, who also went to law school, she went to college and law school, had no support, was constantly ridiculed and attacked, put down by her family, uh, insulted all the time, and made fun of, got her own scholarships, you know, worked her way through college on scholarships, worked her way through the law school, paid the money back, became very successful, but like yourself, was always stuck with that box of anxiety and that high drive, and having had, in her case, no support, but still achieved great things in life. So really a huge paradox, right? And one person's given everything, but kind of squanders it. The other person is given nothing but their own high drive that makes it happen. And that kind of fits your scenario a little bit, doesn't it? Because what you went through and how you made it happen, and it took a lot to get there. You had a lot of drive. Yeah, yeah for sure. That sounds, yeah, exactly. Like, um, I mean, I had a lot of support, um, you know, like we talked about earlier, that old parenting style support, but I had a very, I had a good support system Um uh, not so much financially, but in terms of, you know. Um, but when you said, it struck me when you said that she ended up not where she wanted to be. And I write that in the book, right? Like, how did I end up here? 
Hello, folks. Welcome back. Dr. Ron Dalrymple on Mind Shock. We're uh, just uh, wrapping up this segment here with Wendy Robbins. We're a really fascinating book called about The Box, Trying to Escape the Box. We're off the trap then. We're talking about that folks often don't end up where they want to be. She spent a life of anxiety and depression and whatnot because of her traumatic childhood, and yet because of her high drive system, she achieved a lot in life and has gone, come a long way, not just going through college on scholarships, sports scholarships, and also the law school, into a great law school, and now as a lawyer and also a writer. A great book out on the world which she experienced. It's a really a fascinating hero's journey and her transformation experience described in her book. In any case, uh, we're here today on Mind Shock. We're going to take a break here in a moment for our sponsors. And come right back, folks. We'll be right with you in a couple minutes. Take care. Be right back. Here's a fun, stimulating program that can teach you how to develop your own powers of creation. It uses a three-part mind, stimulating approach to get you to develop your own creative thinking. It will help you create a powerful self-image and helps you see how you can take creative action. You'll develop your thinking power and your skills, and you can do this in eight days. Get Dr. Ron Dalrymple's book, Eight Days to Creative Power, on Amazon.com. Overcome your problems with the step-by-step guide. So get Eight Days to Creative Power on Amazon.com. Get high-quality glasses, sunglasses, and prescription lenses at eyeglasses.com. Choose from over 250,000 items and 400 brands. Already have frames? Get replacement lenses. It's easy. Go to our advertiser page and click eyeglasses.com. A complete mind development course. The Inner Manager by Dr. Ron Dalrymple helps you develop your concentration, memory, imagination, and more, all to help you program your mind towards success. But it's not a boring read. You are taken on a journey with a young man who is trying to start his own business and immerses himself into a journey of self-discovery, a powerful book that you can read again and again. Get The Inner Manager by Dr. Ron Dalrymple at Amazon.com. The Inner Manager at Amazon.com. Reach your health and fitness goals. Whether you want to lose weight, learn to dance, build muscle, or just live healthy, Beachbody gives you unlimited access to the nation's most popular fitness and weight loss solutions. Visit our advertiser page and click on Beachbody now. Do you ever wonder how the mind works? The Endless Question, a film by Dr. Ron Dalrymple, shows you a new theory of mind, one that bridges the road between spirituality and science while revealing to you the laws of creativity, things that can open up your mind to limitless possibilities. It is literally a theory that changes everything. And once you know it, you can apply it to your own life. View The Endless Question for free on Amazon Prime. The Endless Question on Amazon Prime. HealthyLife.net, the positive radio network. Welcome back. Dr. Ron Dalrymple on Mind Shock. We have Wendy, Wendy Robbins in her fascinating book about the box and how to escape the box. Wendy, how are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. Okay, great. Welcome back. I want to uh, start this segment with talking about what were some of the big transformational realizations you made to really help you change. You covered this in your book towards the end of the book. What the, what the big insights were which helped you really escape from that box of anxiety that you created. Please tell us about that. 
Um, I think the first realization uh, that was a big shift for me, um, you know, after realizing that I was in this box and that it had become a prison and that I really couldn't change my external um, world to make my internal world peaceful, right? I had to do that internal work separately um, so that I had that constant um, sense of peace regardless of what was happening around me externally. Um, I think the next step was really around fearing the actual anxiety. When the anxiety starts, it's that initial fear of something external, right? And then your fight or flight response is triggered, and I can talk about the biology, but I won't bore you. And then, you know, we have the anxiety and the panic attack and so forth. Then once we become afraid of the anxiety and the actual panic attacks, that's the second fear, and that's really where the disorder starts. And so that went on for so long for me that I had created this, um, you know, these neural pathways that were really running my life. I had played out the worst-case scenario and catastrophized so much that I believed that that's how my life had gone and how it would continue to go, even though these catastrophes never actually happened, right? They would really just result in a panic attack. Um, so once I could understand that I wasn't going to die from this, that anxiety would not kill me, a panic attack even, when I truly believed I would die, when I, when I realized and understood that I could come out the other side and really what the biology was and how I could ride them out, that was very empowering for me to understand all of that and let go of that fear mindset around the anxiety and know that I could sit in those flames and pass through it, right? I could get to the other side. Um, that, that was really when I shifted from living a life of complete resistance and saying no to everything, every, um, every adventure, you know, new opportunities, um, new levels of connection in my relationships um, to having that growth mindset where I knew that even though I felt a little bit of resistance, I knew that I might have some anxiety. I also knew now that that was a place that I could build resilience and live outside of that comfort zone, right? Really push the walls of my box and even then get to the other side of those walls and live in a completely different way where doors just continue to open because every new opportunity, I say, like, if I can do that, now what I do. Like, the possibilities now seem endless, whereas before I was just completely paralyzed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So understanding that you could ride them out, they would not kill you as you thought they would at one time, if you're going to be okay. You mentioned also exposure. It's a type of exposure therapy. You speak to VA. One approach we had for PTSD was exposure therapy. The person's exposed to traumatic events, again, in a relaxed environment. You can learn they can write it out and get past it. Also, when we do hypnosis, we're going to take folks back to a deep level in hypnosis where you can stand back as a third-party observer and see the traumatic events as a third party and therefore detach from the emotional aspect of it, which allows the mind to reintegrate the experiences together. That's a very powerful approach also for PTSD when we're successful, which can actually be done in a surprisingly short number of sessions compared to a lot of the approaches that have tried in the past. But in any case, there are ways to deal with it. And a big key is understanding the panic attack anxiety is not going to kill you. It's simply a learned reaction. You therefore unlearn it and uncreate that and recreate yourself as something entirely different, which is what you did, right? 
exactly, exactly. I do want to bring up a few more, though. <laughs> I yeah, thought of a few more. Oh. Um, you know, I moved from, which I think is really important in dealing with mental illness, is finding self-love. Because we start with, and um, I just heard Oprah say this, that rather than saying, I was asking myself constantly, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with me? How did I get to this place where I cannot control my thoughts, my emotions, my these awful physical sensations that are being triggered? Rather than asking the question, what happened to you? And when you think about it that way and you go back to that trauma that we talked about earlier and where all of these, how all of these bricks were laid in this wall, right, you can come from a place of compassion for yourself rather than constant critique um, and fear. So that was a big shift for me when I started showing myself compassion. Um, and then also, I think, finding that deep, um, peaceful center, right? So many people are looking for happiness and pleasure their whole life, but when you find that peace that is, for me, you know, I think for everyone, it resides underneath all of that fear and anxiety. And for me, it took meditation to drill down and find that base that I could then tap back into whenever I needed to. So whether it's on a plane or on a ski slope or in a very vulnerable place when I'm talking to my husband or I can really, rather than being triggered and reacting to my emotions, um, tap back into that peaceful center that I've cultivated over time after having learned how to and built a meditation practice. Right, exactly. So you kind of come back to the center, you be here now, it's mindfulness called these days. The technique actually goes back in thousands of years We've been talking about in other shows. The key is don't stay stuck in a past where you might feel depressed about what happened. Don't stay stuck in the future where you're anxious about what might happen. The recenter, be here right now, and realize you're also tied into a higher power, which is always feeding you positive information. It's always nourishing you and keeping you safe. And when you focus on being happy now, you attune yourself with that higher power. How do you see that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was a big... Um a big part of it for me, I know I talk about praying in the book um, at one point where I had vertigo for several years because of the anxiety, and uh, that is just so debilitating, and I would just fall to my knees and pray so much, um, so often, and it was a, a great, it grounded me, and really that grace that I felt got me through a lot of my worst, worst moments um, when I really felt like I was in, you know, just enveloped by this darkness and didn't see a way out. That that was always a lifeline for me, for sure. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that it can be, um, and it's something that, you know, I tap back into in my meditation as well, just feeling so connected with the universe, with God, with, you know, whatever it is you believe in. I truly believe that that, that brings um that level of spiritual awareness just to another level. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Folks, we're here today, Dr. Ron Dan and Mind Shock, Wendy Robbins, talking about her fascinating book, The Box, How to Escape the Box. Wendy, please tell our audience where they can find out more about you, about your work, your book, and also your coaching. Please go ahead. Yes, sure. Um, so my book, The Box, uh, An Invitation to Freedom from Anxiety, um, you can Google Wendy Tamas Robbins, The Box, and um, find the book really where all books are sold online. It, you can also find it on my website, which is Wendy Tamas, T-A-M-I-S, Robbins, with two Bs, dot com. Um, also on my website is 
Um, there's the Anxiety Release Power Pack right now. That's my free download that is chock full of um, lots of what we talked about today, plus, uh, you know, more things that you can do for anxiety release now and over time um, and really demystifying a lot of different types of anxiety. But there's also um, a sign-up for my one-on-one coaching, and I'm also doing – I've been doing a lot of them lately for – um, corporations and law firms and professional organizations, um, wellness programs around the uh, 3R model of processing anxiety, which is to recognize, reduce, and re, uh, refocus it. Um, so you can go to my, um, my website and sign up for that as well. You can learn more about the different programs that I have there also. Um, so, yeah, that's – and then I'm on – you know, all social media, so Instagram, Wendy underscore Tannis underscore Robbins, and same with Facebook and Twitter as well, and LinkedIn. So that's a lot. Great having you on your show. Thanks a lot for your input today and your fine work, and uh, I'm sure you write some more books. We'll have you on again. I, look I to hope you again. so. You're doing yeah, great stuff. Yeah, great. Well, it's our pleasure. I'm sure you always enjoy it very much, and stay in touch. Contact us anytime. Okay? Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. All right. Thank you. Take care now. God bless. Paradise Found 2015 is a film that sparks of intrigue about the discovery of quantum field psychology. Throwing a sexy spy story, a conflict between father and son against the backdrop of NASA, and interspersed with World War II flashback combat scenes, and you'll be surprised to discover the foundation of a whole new theory of mind. Rent or buy Paradise Lost 2015 at Amazon.com and prepare for the explosive conclusion. That's Paradise Lost 2015 at Amazon.com. If you want USA and worldwide car rentals, choose rentacar.com. Free cancellations on most bookings, no hidden charges. They are trusted by over 4 million customers. Visit our advertiser page and click on the Rent-A-Car banner. Do you ever wonder how the mind works? The Endless Question, a film by Dr. Ron Dalrymple, shows you a new theory of mind, one that bridges the road between spirituality and science while revealing to you the laws of creativity, things that can open up your mind to limitless possibilities. It is literally a theory that changes everything. And once you know it, you can apply it to your own life. View The Endless Question for free on Amazon Prime. The Endless Question on Amazon Prime. This is Jack Maher from the band Feed the Kitty. It's important to support the artists you love. And you can do that and get something authentic for yourself. Rock.com has the most coveted, licensed merchandise of music, culture, and entertainment. So go to the advertiser page and click on rock.com now. Quantum Field Psychology 2nd Edition is an astounding book on the new theory of mind. It is the first unified field theory that incorporates the influence of the mind and emotion on physical reality, the universe, and even other minds. It actually integrates all modern psychology with quantum physics, mathematics, Western, and Eastern spiritual beliefs. It's the true bridge between science and spirituality. Get your copy of Quantum Field Psychology, second edition, by Dr. Ron Dalrymple on Amazon.com. Radio your way. HealthyLife.net.
folks. Welcome back. Dr. Ryan Dalrymple on Mind Shock. Just talked to Wendy Robbins. He has a great book out about the box, referring to what she created as a child, a box to kind of hide within because of her anxieties and fears. She grew up in a very traumatic home. Her mother was very unpredictable, explosive episodes and so forth, very threatening. She was terrified, suffered from a lot of anxiety, so she created a box, a mental box to kind of hide within that also became her mental and emotional prison. This is really a metaphor for many folks, for many folks around the world. Now, this show goes out to some 1.2 million people in 135 countries on 65 platforms. I know there's a lot of folks out there, a lot of countries, a lot of cultures who have experienced something very similar to what she's talking about. It's a very common phenomenon that we're raised within a family. Very often, our parents mean well. They aren't quite sure how to parent. Sometimes they might be verbally, emotionally, physically abusive or otherwise or neglectful without mean to be. Sometimes they do mean to be out of their own anger and their own uncontrolled emotions. Very often they just aren't quite sure how to do it, so they'll err in various ways, not realizing how it impacts upon the child. The child might suffer all kinds of thought, emotion, fixations, which we talk about in the book Quantum Field Psychology, which is a whole new theory of the mind. What we need today are really new theories to explain how the mind works as an energy field, because the old theories are not adequate. We started upon this journey many years ago at NASA, way back when I was 19. In 1969, folks, I know it's antiquity, but I'm way back when, I realized that the current theories of psychology were not adequate, and they're still not. Our theory of functional psychology's attempt to link all the theories together using quantum physics and mathematics, showing that they all fit under a whole new paradigm, which they do. The whole point is that so many folks grow up in childhood not knowing what's going on, not being treated in a proper way with a lot of love, I like to talk about love with limits. You give a child unconditional love, but you also set limits on their behavior. But you never attack the child and say, you're a bad child and so forth. You always give them positive reinforcement, lift them up, give them encouragement, but then say, well, the behavior here has to change. It works far better. We call it love with limits. The very, very earliest levels of childhood, the child's learning to either trust the outside world or not, which can also lead to their trusting themselves or not. If you learn to not trust, then various fears build up and anxieties build up instead, and you start to create barriers, these thought emotion barriers between themselves and people around them. This is what happened to Wendy. She didn't, she couldn't trust the people around her because her mother was totally out of control, and also her father didn't quite know how to handle it, so he wasn't really able to step in and make her feel totally safe. She was saying that he regret that later. He realized much more what she had gone through. In case her lack of trust of people made her receive within that box, and that was a box of control. The next level we go through after trust in childhood is the issue of control, controlling ourselves and controlling the world around us. So we try to hyper-control, like she did, if we don't trust what's going on. This can lead to all kinds of disorders, such as being obsessive-compulsive, being fearful, having anxiety disorders, having depression, going through big mood swings going through all kinds of behavioral disorders which might evolve later on. So if we don't trust the world or ourselves and we can't control what's around us or ourselves, we try to hyper-control, we take it to an extreme. So in this case, the person's trying to ward off fear, which is what she was trying to do. So she lived inside that box for years, which also impacted upon her identity, how she saw herself. So the programming she put into her own mind kept taking her off course. She kept saying, what's wrong with me? What's going on? What's my problem? you ask that question to your subconscious mind, it can't answer it because 
The subconscious mind acts deductively and keeps going in circles and put into an infinite do loop, which just spins around more and more anxiety. We have to give, we covered this before, we have to give the subconscious mind directive statements so the objective mind analyzes the external world, comes up with various conclusions, feeds that to the subconscious mind, and the subconscious mind will act deductively to make things happen. Instead of giving yourself various commands to make that work properly, to make your life more successful, she's asking the wrong question. What's wrong with me? What's going on? Why can't I control this? So her mind kept spinning and spinning and spinning. And by five years old or so, the identity locks in place. The identity we have, our self-image and self-esteem, then often guides us through life and profoundly influences who we interact with, the friends we have, where we go to school, the jobs we have later and so forth, how we see ourselves, what we create. And it often leads to lots of mistakes, what's called the self-fulfilling prophecy. Because when we're guided by the emotion fixations of a negative nature, we're creating all these negative results and come back to us to show us we're making mistakes. And as she mentioned today, the more we do that, the harder it hits us. The more mistakes we make, our inner, inner mind, the external world saying, hey, wake up, this is what you're doing wrong, find to tell us. We're then also attracted to relationships and get involved in those which are also off course, which are based upon the negative thoughts and negative emotions. You might think about the, the mind as this energy field which is spinning, this constellation of consciousness spinning at a very high speed, and it's like a gyroscope spinning, and it's composed of very thought emotion fixations within. The thought emotion fixations are in different dimensions of that spinning gyroscope. And the thought emotion fixations are what we learned in childhood through our parents, siblings, school, teachers, whatever, which are locked in place. In many cases, they'll destabilize that gyroscope, but it doesn't spin true. It's not true north it's just lined with, where it wobbles in different directions. The external world can hit that gyroscope and knock it off course so it wobbles more. It causes more repercussions and so forth. We try to set it back right, but it isn't quite right, so it wobbles some more and so on. We might go through years or decades of this so we finally realize what we're doing wrong. The thing to do is focus back within the self. Don't stay stuck in the past where you might get depressed. We're stuck in the future where you get anxious, but come back here and now, right now, mindfulness and realize you're attached to, you're connected to a much higher source, which always loves you, always protects you. You don't need the approval of other people, is what happened to her. She sought their approval, which got her trapped in that box. You don't need their approval. It's nice to get it, sure, but you don't need it. The thing to do is approve of yourself and be guided by that higher power, which is always talking to you and always trying to guide you. So the key is learn how to release those fixations, those thought emotion fixations within, those negative learnings, which cause anxiety and depression, to get those out of the way so your ego mind, your objective mind, can connect to that higher mind, that higher consciousness, which is always talking to you and always trying to get you to wake up to the fact that it's there. You listen to that and are guided by that through meditation, through deep relaxation, or you can also do self-hypnosis, which really is the same thing. Just go to a deeper state of mind. But inner self, that higher power, always wants to talk to you and always gives you directions and insights. You can ask you any question. The higher self, you can always turn to. It always is talking to us, but we have to learn how to listen, to tune into it, which means not being focused on the external world, not being worried about somebody else's approval, not trying to please other people so much because you often can't please them. You must really work for yourself first and that higher power. What is the journey to get to that place? That's what our books and our works are all about. I started on this, this journey myself many years ago. I started writing books after going to graduate school and getting a doctorate in psychology because I wanted to really help the world understand these new ideas. Our first book was The Inner Manager. 
about this young man goes on a journey, discovers higher self, he learns these principles. Another book is called Eight Days of Creative Power, about how to, how to tap into your creative resources through your thoughts, your emotions, your behavior. Another book is called I Love You, God, where you focus upon higher spiritual ideas to align your conscious mind with your superconscious mind. And, of course, another book is Quantum Field Psychology, The Theory Itself, which has shocked the scientific world and has a whole new approach to the mind as an energy field. To increase the film to make it easier for the endless question, which is free on Amazon Prime. To our documentary about these concepts, we have a new book coming out called Taming the Menagerie, Mind Games People Play, which is about the adversaries we encounter in life, the mind games that people play with us to sabotage us, and the mind games we play upon ourselves. That, too, is very important to understand to break free of those fixations, to allow that higher self to express through us, help us solve our lives and reclaim our lives in a whole new way. Folks, Dr. Ron Darrumple on Mind Shock. Please stick with us. Come back next week. We have a lot of great guests lined up for your insight and entertainment and to help us learn new things, new ways of approaching life and conquering life and being success in life. That's what we're all about. We also do professional coaching and therapy. So you can find me if you like on Facebook and track us down. We'd be glad to help you out personally. If you have certain needs and so forth. Again, Dr. Ron Dalrymple signing off from Mind Shock. Thanks for being here. We love you all. Take care.